Welcome to the MacFab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and charity streams. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Delman And Stephen Craig. This is episode 346. Uh, so the first thing we're going to talk about, um, it's kind of a departure what normally talk about because it has nothing to do with electronics or engineering or anything like that. Um, November 5th is coming up. This is November 5th, 2022. Was that going to be five weeks from now? Five, six weeks? I think that, yeah. Uh, so November 5th is actually my wife's birthday, and she asked me to brew a batch of beer for her. Uh, and so, like, she, and of course, she wanted a lager, which loggers take a long time. So I've been yeah. counting weeks until then. So, yeah, I think we're about five weeks off. Oh, that's the one that you uh, brewed over the weekend. Yep. Okay, cool. Um, so November 5th is Extra Life. So what Extra Life is, is a, uh, a day where people play and stream video games for charity for Texas, well, not for Texas, but for children's hospitals uh, all over the United States. Um, I said Texas Children's Hospital because that's the one that I, you know, that's the one that's like right down the street from where I live. Um, so that's the one I raise money for. What do you call that? A razor? A, a charity stream. Charity. Well, no, fundraiser. like what would you call the person who raises money for a charity? Uh, a philanthropist. I don't know. Well, no, that's the people who donate to that person. Yeah, yeah you're right. I, I, I don't know. The middleman. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> Um, so last year with the help of everyone, um, so I asked people from like Macrofab, I asked people in the stream, um, actually I'll put it this way. Most people, uh, most of the people that donated actually came through the podcast. Um, and, uh, so about nine or 10 months ago, I thanked everyone cause like all the numbers finally came in. Um, and I'll thank everyone else again that donated last year, but last year we raised, $5,169.42, which is awesome because we were actually the number one raiser for the Texas Children's Hospital Network. Um, So that was awesome. Uh, Last year we streamed, we did a 24-hour stream of Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time um, on the Wii. I was using a GameCube disc for it. Um, so it was actually real hardware. It wasn't in the 64, but at least it was, you know, Nintendo hardware. Um, and then you played Star Fox after, didn't you? Then we played Star Fox after that. And uh, in between all that, I like streamed making a pizza from scratch as well. I think it was like Saturday midday, I think like two o'clock. I like switched the stream over to like a GoPro and like made pizza. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, so I, I tuned into it for, I don't know, a good handful of hours. I, I watched yeah, late at night it. too. Yeah. Yeah. I even, I even logged in at like seven in the morning the next day just to yeah. see if I could catch it. But the, uh, I, I had some project to do and it was really great to have going on in the side. So if you well, got, you got to listen, to, yeah, you got to listen to the whole like soundtrack of our of time while you were working on your stuff. Well, and I got I got to see you make pizza for like two oh, yeah, hours. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, all I'm getting at is it's really fun to watch. So uh, if if you got the time, uh, you know, certainly tune in. Yeah. Um, so when we get closer to the date, we'll have more details like links and uh, stuff like that. Um, I got to figure out what game I'm going to play. Um, so usually, I like to try to pick. I mean, I say usually. I've done this twice so far. <laughs> well, and you've done two different games. Yeah, I've done two different games. So um, the criteria I try to pick is I try to pick a game that's going to take the whole close to the 24 hours as possible. Um, and it's a game I'd like to, like, I know fairly well, if that makes sense. Um, mainly so that, like, I don't get stuck. Uh like the first year I did was I played the Half-Life 2 series and the two episodes for it back to back to back. 
And I think that took me about 16 and a half hours. Actually, I did, it did it a lot faster. Oh, and it was also 100% achievement run. So, like, I had to do everything. All this including, stuff, yeah. yeah, including on episode two, uh, which is the last section of the game, you have to carry a garden gnome with you the, through the entire game. And I did that too. Wow. And, like, there was one part we, got, we almost lost the gnome and we had to, like, break the physics in the game to, like, get the gnome back. So that was a lot of fun. I, I remember logging in last year, and you were on the Forest Temple. Uh, oh, the Ocarina of Time run. And, yeah, last and, year. And it's it's funny just because, like, the very first oh. time I log in, like, <laughs> I think you took, like, twice as long on that one temple as, I like, should've. probably should have. All the other ones. Because it was, yeah. at that point, <laughs> we were, like, smooth sailing, and the yeah. Forest Temple is, like, the first big boy dungeon of the game. Right. right? It's also really annoying. It just... I just missed it was basically like one of the rooms like like twists around and I just completely forgot you could just jump off one of the platforms to like the floor in that room. <laughs> right. And it, I think I spent like a whole hour. Yeah. Like trying to be like, where am I missing? I'm like, this is and this is like we're only like six hours in and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but all the rest of it was smooth. It was just that. Oh, one yeah, section. that one. Like we got past that and then we kind of breeze through all the rest of the uh stuff and but the ocarina time run was not a hundred percent run like there was no way we we're going to do a hundred hundred percent run on that but it was just like, oh, get like through all the, the gold skull tulas and all that stuff and yeah collecting everything you're getting all the the bottles um all the collectibles um so game and so craft lab in chat has a good really good suggestion is bioshock I played the hell out of that game when it came out. It's been would a that, long time since I played it. Would that chew up twenty four hours? That's the thing is I don't know. I think I it would think, only be like I don't think twelve. Yeah, I don't well, think. Could Bioshock you do Bioshock is... and then Bioshock two? Hmm. Because there's also Bioshock Infinite, but I don't really want to play that one again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I just googled it. Bio. Google says Bioshock is about twelve hours. Yeah. So we'd have to pick. We have to play Bioshock Two, and which Google is also a really Bioshock good game. Two is eleven hours, so Ooh, that's good. Here's the thing that I've found: googling the length of a video game, I've found that it's never correct. Like, it's always a little inflated. I feel like it's yeah. I feel like it's always inflated, and I don't feel that whenever I play games that I'm just like rushing through them. But I'm also like, it it doesn't seem accurate in any way and maybe the way google does it is it aggregates like completionists and speed runners and all the other stuff and it tries to make some kind of average number but i don't know it always seems way longer than it takes yeah so i maybe would say you could do both. 12 does sound about right for bioshock though uh, from what i remember the so interesting thing about bioshock is that game was the first game I played that had a twist ending that really got me. Um, the, Bioshock 1? Yeah, the first one. Yeah. Um, how old was I when that game came out? I was in, I was in college. Yeah, that, like I, I was in college when that, when that came out, too. I it was like it was, 20 or 21, something like that. So I wasn't particularly young, but just like... I guess before then, I was playing mostly multiplayer games, so like story-driven games weren't really a thing for me. But like no. that, that the twist there uh, for that game really got me. So I, I think about that game a lot. Bioshock could be a really good one, especially if I have to do if I do Bioshock two right after that. Like do Bioshock one, and then make a pizza, and then do Bioshock two. <laughs> Maybe that would work out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the best idea I've ha uh, we've had so far. So thank you, Craft Lab. That's that's definitely because um, it's also Star Fox, but Star Fox like at max is like six hours of all the stuff. Oh, not even. Yeah. Um, I'd love to do Half Life Two again, <laughs> but no, nah, no, nah, I'm not going to do that. Bioshock, there's always, that there's always Half Life One. Oh yeah, yeah you could do, do whole, uh, what, what's the um, all, all the expansions too, like Blue Shift and 
Yeah, because um, because there are a few hours. Like Blue Shift, I think is only like three or four hours. Yeah, but uh, you could play the uh, what's it called? Um, Black Mesa. The oh yeah, the remake. The remake. Yeah, because that's uh, yeah. that's a good twelve or more hours, I think. Okay, how about this? I, I do like the Bioshock idea. Bioshock and then Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah. <laughs> Because I actually really like that game, like, like unironically love that game. That's good. You're like one yeah. of the few. Like, look what's on. Look who's on my desk. Nope. Yep. Hail <laughs> to the king. I have a Duke Nukem bust on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> I bought the special edition for that game. Definitely wow. not worth the money. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but uh, I actually bought it just because the. The thing it came with the bust. I'm like, mm. that's cool. Like, I'm not. I don't really buy a lot of video game stuff besides like the game, I guess. Um, but that was one I was like, I, I need that. Yeah, I'm liking this Bioshock, and then like make a pizza, and then hail to the king, baby. <laughs> Just play Duke Nukem forever. Like how? Oh yeah. Oh, Alien Colonial Marines, which I actually unironically really love that game too and that game is like everyone on the internet hates that game yeah yeah that gets a lot of hate i love that game i don't know why like i think it was i didn't follow the development or like watch any of the videos like because apparently it was like a bait and switch like it was supposed to look really good and it didn't look good like the trailers made it look like something else so it was like but, No Man's Sky kind of story? Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, but I went into that game blind and like 100% enjoyed that game. <laughs> so <laughs> That's great. Um, Aliens Colonial Marines would be a really good one. Especially as I've, I think I've, that was one of the few games we were talking about before the podcast. Uh, games that you immediately go back and replay. Yeah. That was actually one of the few games on the list for me. That I, was that I finished it. And I immediately played it again on a harder difficulty. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, okay. So if we do alien, how long does alien colonial Marines? Is that like 11, 12 hours or shorter? <laughs> uh, let's find out. Uh, cheese trees, ocean breeze says Zork. I think I can get, I think I've beaten Zork in like 30 minutes. Uh, seven hours for colonial Marines. Okay. Colonial Marines and then Duke Nukem Forever. Is that 20? Well, and a pizza. And then a pizza somewhere in there built. Because pizza is like two hours. About, you know, 45 minutes to make the pizza, about 45 minutes to cook it, and then, you know, about 30 minutes to eat. Add in another 30 minutes or 40 for setup. I remember last time there was a, a bit of fumbling with that. No, no, like fault on your end, but like just. Oh, setting add up the that pizza stream? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I was gonna, I was gonna, I've learned from my mistake. I'm just gonna preset up that <laughs> stuff. Be able to just <laughs> flip right over to it. Twenty three hours for a completionist on Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah, we're not gonna do completionist. No, that's it. probably on Colonial Marines. Oh, yeah, twenty three hours for completionist Colonial Marines. But like, uh, do we'll you want to get s- everything in that game? No. Well, yeah. that, that's also the thing is I like having a a, a like at the carrot. So like Ocarina of Time's carrot was um what was it? Oh, it was just doing every single boss. It was don't skip anything. Um Half-Life 2 was doing all the achievements. And then um so what would be this stick? Cuz like I don't think getting all the achievements is like that fun in these kind of games. It it, it it depends entirely if your audience knows the achievement and they know the difficulty of the achievement. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm just trying to think of, like, what's the carrot of, like, these games? Yeah. Yeah, Craft Lab. I think that's, that's awesome. Like, doing Duke Nukem and Colonial Marines together, because they actually came out within, like, a couple years or maybe like the same year or two years uh, from Gearbox software. 
And they were both games that were kind of like in development hell. One game way more than the other, but, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, isn't Duke Forever is like the definition of... There's uh, actually been new games that are in been in development longer than Duke Nukem Forever now. So. Really? Yeah, both games like Gearbox quote unquote saved. <laughs> or I think more more likely they finished. Like they just said, okay, we're locking all the features. No more Jira tickets. Finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Eventually you have to make money, right? Yeah. I like that. I think that's what we're going to do. We're going to do Colonial Marines first, make a pizza, and then go play Duke Nukem Forever. And then, oh, that was right. For a creative time, the stick was if I died, I had to do a shot. Right, right. And it was all fine until (laughs) the Forest Temple. (laughs) That's true. And I died like... Four times in a row, and this is like only six hours. Like at the time, like everyone's like, "How many shots you're at?" My shot counter was at zero. Yeah. Until then, and actually after that, it was, I oh, I think I only died one more time. You, no, I remember the Spirit you, Temple. You died in the Spirit Temple, me. but you died because you jumped off of something. <laughs> yeah, I jumped off of something and then took fall damage. Took fall damage and died. I remember. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Because I was, oh, I was even asking good. in chat because you were watching. I'm like. I need to get down there. Yeah. Like, can I jump that and not die? And it was just like, yeah, you shouldn't die. Jumped, immediately die. <laughs> yeah. <I know. laughs> oh, and oh, that was the good. part of the Spirit Temple 2. It, was, oh, it took so long to get back to that section. Yeah, the Spirit Temple was like 30 minutes. Annoying. Yeah, it took me like 30 minutes to get back to that spot again. It was just like, oh, no. Yep. All right. Craft Lab, great ideas. That's what we're going to do this year. Um, Okay, so remind everyone, when's it happening? November 5th, uh, that Saturday morning at like 7 o'clock, 7, 8, well, we'll probably start at 8, 8 o'clock, we start, we're going to play uh, Alien Colonial Marines, um, and that's going to take about 7 hours, so about 6 o'clock we'll be done with that, we'll make a pizza, stream making a pizza, cook it, eat it. All that good stuff. And then we'll start playing Duke Nukem Forever. And then when we fin- if we finish that before the time, then... <laughs> just cap it off with Star Fox. Yeah, we'll just play Star Fox or something else. We'll play something random on That's your on filler Steam. game. Yeah. Because I can play that, like, not even paying attention. Right. But do we carry over um, the rules from last year? It's basically deaths are shots. That's an easy gimmick. Could be, but does do you die a lot in Colonial Marines? I don't think so, right? I don't remember. <laughs> you, you should probably play it once before then. What's the fun in that? <laughs> you want to be able to successfully reach the end of this stream. I thought I was going to die a lot more in Ocarina of Time. So. And I wasn't particularly like careful either. Like A lot of times I got down to like half a heart a couple times. Yeah, that's, so. that's, that's Zelda in general, though. Yeah. You could also play Breath of the Wild. I don't think I could beat that in 24 hours. That would be like a blitz to get done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so technically you can beat it whenever you want. Uh, yeah. But, but, but you, yeah, okay, so playing the game and doing the things you're supposed to do in 24 hours might actually be difficult. Yeah, that would be really difficult. I think we should shelve that for next year because I'm really liking Graph Lab's idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> just because it's too, oh, it's just such a good pairing. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Okay, that's what we're going to do. And okay. I'll, I'll come up with some kind of gimmick. I'll probably still do like deaths equal shots and then come up with some other rules, maybe. Something fun. Yeah. Maybe like if someone says game over, you take a shot. Uh, I know no, Duke Nukem quotes that. Be spamming that. <laughs> no, no, like in the game. Oh, I, I say I got you. Um, like actually come up with like movie rules, kind of like you know, movie game rules for drinking. I don't know. 
It could be I'll also play them on the hardest difficulty. That'd be fun. Which I don't remember how hard those games. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Alien Clone Marines does not get that hard. I know Duke Nukem gets really unforgiving at times, though. Like, the game just straight up starts breaking. And you're just like, <laughs> well, I got to brute force or cheese this. Yeah. So. All right, good. We'll talk about this more in, in probably two weeks. Remind everyone, November 5th. Remember, remember the 5th of November. So actually, speaking of uh, November, um, so I've kind of just made the the I, the made the plan that every year I'm just going to drive down to uh, Texas for the week of Thanksgiving. It's a it's a convenient way to spend time with the family and stuff like that. But because of that, I will be doing the podcast pretty much every year in uh, in Houston. And Parker and I just before the podcast had an idea. It's like okay, well let's reach out to the community and see. Would anyone be interested in doing a live podcast? So, you know, Parker and I go, you know, camp somewhere in Houston and uh, maybe we can get a group of people to come hang out and be a part of the podcast. So we'd be talking about Tuesday, November 22nd in Houston, Texas. So if anyone is interested, uh, please reach out because I, I, uh, we're, we're, we're figuring out if that's uh, if that's something we want to do or not. If uh, If that does sound interesting to someone, yeah, let us know. And uh, we'll we'll try to set something up. Maybe we just go set up somewhere, have a hot mic, and we can just hang out and chat with other engineers or whoever in Houston and have a good time. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, have one extra mic or two extra, depending on how many people want to show up and ask questions. We can ask you questions, that kind of stuff. Or like, <laughs> y'all can just watch us to do what we normally do. Yeah, do whatever we do. I mean, I would love it, honestly, if there's any engineers in Houston who listen to us and want to come on and just talk about your job and talk about your experiences and talk about what you love to do. I would love to just sit and hear about your stuff. So if you, if you want to come on the podcast, uh, reach out and let us know. That once again, that would be Tuesday, November 22nd. Uh, we would just, I don't know, we'll figure out a location in Houston where we could actually record this and have people hang out but i think that would be really fun i would i would love to interview a handful of people and just hear your stories and hear engineers in houston or yeah even if you're not an engineer i'd love to come and just hang out with you yeah um that's november 22nd would be the day which is a tuesday um and we have no idea where it's some it would be somewhere in houston right now Yeah, yeah, we're reaching out right now to 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 gauge is it worth even trying to set something up. So if yeah. we get a handful of people being like, "Yeah, let's do it," then we'll we'll figure it out and get some more information on it. But it would yeah, it would probably be Tuesday evening-ish, probably around 6 like we normally record. Yeah. All right. Um you know, let's keep talking about like the random stuff. Yeah. Um so the Battleship Texas um is currently in dry dock uh, which is great because it's been like rusting away in the uh, san jacinto monument area uh near houston for the past 20 some odd years now um and uh so they finally got the ship over to a dry dock and um they're starting the restoration process which is awesome um, i think i've been on that battleship like three times for tours and stuff um but uh, Stephen had a really good idea of trying to get someone on the podcast to talk about like the restoration process. So this battleship was commissioned in 1914. It actually served in both world wars. Uh, from what I read, it actually participated in the the uh, bombardment of D-Day, and uh, it. Well, I don't remember when it was parked, but it uh, it parked in Texas long time ago, and it's been a floating museum that you could go and tour. And there's lots of events that happened there. Well, recently they they uh, Texas approved a restoration project of the entire battleship. So I'm reaching out to try to find someone and come on to talk about the restoration of the entire battleship because I'm I'm really curious when you have something that you know 1914 was frankly a long time ago you had this ancient 
device, <laughs> this ancient vehicle. How do you go about doing a restoration on it? And do we have like original engineering documents that you have to follow? Or do you just kind of go off of what you just have available? Like, how does it actually go through? So we're, we're trying to get someone on. Uh, that would be uh, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah, the um, apparently I think it was like it was some tidbit I saw, but apparently like in the 80s um, when her engines were still functional, um, when they moved her into there, they just left the bunker fuel like in the tanks <laughs> oh. and uh, after a while, it turns really, really acidic and it was just start, it just it basically just ate her from the inside. Um, wow. Yeah, it's definitely one of those like, oh, that's a problem for future humans. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I think the restoration project that it's thirty three million dollars. Yeah, and it, I'm pretty sure most of that was collected through donations as well, because um, it was approved a long, long time ago. Big fourteen inch cannons. Uh, some of the main armament on it. It has a, a handful of other uh, things, but I mean, those are, it's kind of the flagships. It's, it's just a cool ship to, and, and I feel a little bit sad because I, I lived within easy driving distance of it for 20 something years. And I, I've drove by it a gazillion times, but I never actually visited it. So I think, I, I think I may have to try to, wrangle a trip once it's done and actually get on it yeah i don't know um how it can work out but i'm i'm hoping if we can get someone on to interview i'm wonder since you're going to be down here for around thanksgiving time mm. i wonder if that's when we do this podcast with battleship texas and we can go see it in dry dock Oh man, if we did a live cast from the battleship, that would be on awesome. the deck. Yeah, that would be so That'd be cool. insane. Okay. Well, I'll oh, I'll see I'll dream. see what magic I can pull. That's pipe dream. Yeah, that's big pipe dream. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's enough to just ask someone to come on and and talk about it. That, so. that, that's enough, I think. Yeah. For sure. Uh yeah, I'm I'm super I'm super curious about that like honestly one of the main questions is do you have the original design documents of this and yeah. then when you go to restore are you going off of those is that like what or is, do you is, is the goal anything? to try to get back there or is the goal to just get it to some kind of more modern state i don't know yeah or a state where like it won't deteriorate anymore right stuff like that i mean it's over a hundred years old and it spent the last few decades just sitting in a dock in mud <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah in mud yeah. and it is kind of funny because you're driving down the freeway in texas and you just look over and you're like oh there's a battleship right yeah, there. there's a battleship <laughs> right there <laughs> and it's like that's just kind of normal i guess yeah um actually if anyone out there that's listened to this podcast knows anything about that Give us some hints or anything like that that we so we can get in contact. We're going to reach out through like their normal stuff through the uh, uh, Battleship Texas Foundation website, but you know networking gives you a lot farther than cold emailing in you know through some link on a website. So anyone got some leads, let us know. That's like a huge shot in the dark right there, though. Hey, you never know. We have a few thousand listeners every every week. Yeah. Uh, connections connections get you really really far yeah i've you know i've i've talked about it a handful of times the last the last few jobs i've had i i didn't apply uh, in the normal sense for them networking works let's just you showed up and then you started getting a paycheck <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that's that's almost accurate Okay, so, um, so the a long, long time ago, a podcast far, far away. Um, oh man, that's another thing that's going to be coming up soon. What's that? December. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The Star yeah. Wars podcast. We're going to have so much to talk about. 
I gotta get caught up because I'm so far behind on all the shows. I I haven't I haven't watched since like a year ago. Anything? Yeah, because there's the Obi Wan and then there's the new Andor. 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 Andor yeah. Oh, that's so much. Content. I haven't watched either one of those. I haven't watched either of them yet either. Yeah. Oh man. I've so heard Andor's mind. really great. I've heard mixed things about uh, Obi Wan. Yeah. Um. Anyways, PCB ruler. Um, a while back, I brought up that we're designing a new one for giveaways for Macrofab. Um, and I'm bringing this up again because I'm starting to design now. And the big thing is I want is what do people want to see on them on, on a PC ruler that you don't typically see? I just don't want to copy one. Um, like I've got four of them on my desk. I've got one from DigiKey. I've got one from Mauser. I got one from SGC Circuits, and then I have the uh, EEV Blog one, which is a, uh, and they all have like rulers on it. I mean, it's a PCB ruler. Um, actually, the funny thing is the SGC Circuit ones is honestly just a ruler. Like it has nothing else on it besides like their logo. Um. The DigiKey one definitely has the most stuff on it. The Mauser one is basically all footprints, which is kind of cool. Right. Um, yeah, so it's like, what do... I think putting charts on them is not really worth the effort. Maybe someone will tell me otherwise. Yeah, a bunch of silkscreen information, right? Yeah. Um, I do like like where they have the holes so you can like do mounting, you know, if you have a screw, like, oh, what hole size hole should I make for this? Those are great. Because um, I actually pulled out a a gauge chart for hardware. And so this is like a gauge chart for um, so you can figure out what size bolts you have, maybe what thread pitch they are. Um, there's actually a part that like pokes out so you can put it inside like a pipe ID and you can measure the ID of a pipe that way. Um, and also that is the OD right here. It's it's this is I use this more than any PCB ruler. <laughs> yeah. So it's like what more physical things or like hardware things like in terms of like fasteners, would that be more interesting to people? I don't know. Well, okay, so so I guess consider who the audience is who's going to be receiving these rulers is it mostly going to be electrical engineers and if it's going to be electrical engineers then having a ruler that measures pipe id is that well no i'm not saying like pipe id but i'm saying like stuff like where it's more like fastener holes or and stuff that would help you integrate more with the real world instead of like is this soic 8 or soic 8 wide for example. Right, right, right. Well, uh, I, I guess what I'm getting at is like, what if you're going to make a ruler, what items would you put on it such that the audience that is probably going to receive it would actually use it? That's, That's what I'm really exactly. Getting at. Yeah. And so, like, I, of course, I went to the the kind of extreme thing. The pipe thing is not a great. That's Correct. not a use. I would say don't put that on there. 100%. You, you know what would be really cool? I, I don't think it's possible, but it would be really cool if you could have squares on the ruler that would show different plating like surface plating now you probably can't do like you know say this is enig this is hassle this is osb this is blah 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 that yeah that'd be stuff. really hard to do on the same board that would be yeah no one would do that and it would be expensive but but like if you had a ruler that helped you with your pcb layout that's kind of cool uh but it's also it's been done a bazillion times. Like, yeah, silkscreen line width. That's yeah, on that's every like, ruler out there. Yeah, silkscreen width or like trace width. Um, I do like, you know, DigiKey has different heights for fonts, mm. which I actually use a lot. Um, you know what would be interesting is silkscreen examples over like vias. D- well, that's going to be different. Per depending on your CM, yeah, because yeah. they may just get rid of your silk screen. Yeah, they may get rid of it. That's true. Yeah, uh, castellated edges is uh, is not bad to see, like edge plating things of that sort. Yeah, I guess it's just one of those like it's kind of boring. 
I like how you said it that way. It's kind of boring because, <laughs> well, I'm saying that because like, okay, so it's on a ruler. What does it tell you? It tells you that whoever made the ruler can put castellated edges on it. Edges. And you they can, design it And that you can way, right? look at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I guess, I guess, like if you don't know what a castellated edge is, then you can look at it and be like, "Oh, that's what those." Yeah, are Yeah, you can point to it. You know, but yeah. but I don't know. That's not a great. Mm. Maybe someone out there has got some good ideas that we can uh, borrow <laughs> for yeah. this project. But it's definitely going to have like it's going to have a metric rule. It's going to have an imperial rule on it. Um, I actually was thinking about doing some architectural stuff. Like, the, uh, where's my architecture ruler? Apparently, it's not in my drawer anymore. It's probably actually on my drafting bench inside. Um, where well, it has different scales on it. I don't think that it's going to be super useful for people, but you have four edges, so why not use two of the edges for some weird scales? You know, one thing you could do, uh, this just came to mind. You could, instead of making a PCB ruler, you could make a PCB square. So have an L shape. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and then you have then you you have a ninety on one edge. You can have metric on the other. You can have freedom units, and uh, maybe that gives you even a little more space to do other things. Yeah, good. Yeah, it just makes it more expensive to give away. Yeah, because 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 it's a bigger bigger thing. thing. <laughs> right. I do like that idea a lot because that's May, definitely if different. it was six inches by six inches, that's not terrible. No, but that's also not a massive ruler. No. Well, our first PCB ruler we ever did was a keychain. That was three and a half inches long. Yeah, that was pretty small. And people really liked that. Maybe we do more of a keychain. But like do like a six inch ruler keychain. Would people have a six inch? No, like, that's way too much to shove down in a pocket. Hmm. You know, one thing, maybe this doesn't apply too much to um, other people. Uh, other people meaning like industry but if you had artwork on the ruler to show what silkscreen looked like when you were putting like actual artwork as opposed to just like text or something that's oh like do dithering and stuff on it yeah like show some some interesting concepts you can do with uh, and in even a mixture of enig and silkscreen at like yeah, being yeah. art together yeah you could do that like do one side that and the other side like the ruler part. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm I would be fine doing another like three inch like ruler. Um, I just want it to have more stuff than it did last time. So, let us know in the comments uh, below, which don't exist anymore on our blog. Uh, so go to the Slack channel, I guess. One other <laughs> thing, I don't I don't think I've seen this. Like on and subscribe and hit that bell. I, I don't think that this necessarily a lot of people might use this or might not use this, but uh, res, uh, like uh, through whole leg bending jigs, that could be something like bending to particular Ooh. widths. Maybe even something for like a TO220 style package where you bend the legs over and you can mount uh, a part flat on a board. Uh, in fact, yeah, you, could, how- you could probably pepper it with a bunch of through hole bending jigs. Yeah, I know how do you do the resistor one. Oh, like the axle bending. How would you do like a TO220 bending jig? Well, the TO220s, the, the legs of the of the 220, they neck down at a particular point. I don't remember how far mm-hmm. away it is. But there's sort of like a natural bend that the legs want to do. You could just set it up for that. Hmm. Like put a hole in the board and you could basically just bolt the TO220 to the hole and then bend the legs over the edge of Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then they bend at the correct place, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I haven't seen anyone do bending jigs. Yeah, we have to look into that. Yeah. If you have a cool idea, tweet us at like MacFab or Backfab.com slash slack. So. All right, what's next? So I'll, I'll give a quick update. Um, I've been working on my CNC 
recently. So uh, four years ago? Yeah, almost four years ago at this point, I rebuilt the entire CNC. And I wasn't pleased with how it ended up working. And uh, three, four weeks ago, I started, I cleaned it up, got it back up and running and recalibrated it. And it's actually cutting well now. I've been doing some test cuts on it and um, I'm happy with it. In fact, after the podcast, I'm going to be doing a bunch of cuts on it to uh, get some stuff done. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close to just saying like, okay, it's, it's in maintenance mode now. Like I'm done with it. And, and what I'm really, really excited about is this entire second endeavor of getting the CNC back up and running in terms of like four weeks ago, I've spent zero dollars on my CNC. So like everything That's I've a good been feeling. doing. You yeah, never had to run to the hardware store three times that day. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I, I you know, <laughs> I've either had all the stuff lying around in my basement or it was just a matter of sweat equity. That's what I've put into it. Yeah. So um, I'm happy with it. It's been, it's been cutting well. The, uh, the sort of the next thing though is dust collection because this thing kicks up a storm and I already have dust collection for it, but it's not great. I have a shop vac that goes through a two inch hose that, mm-hmm. that I have going to it. And it's like slightly okay. That's like the best I can say about yeah. it. Like it barely even picks up any of the dust unless I blow the dust towards the injection. It was never intended for what I'm, I'm, doing with it so i've actually had a large dust collector for a while that i've been using for other stuff and and i kind of want to dedicate it to the cnc now such that you know i basically now that i'm happy with the cnc i'm willing to devote tools to it but the uh i mentioned this a few weeks ago the the dust collector i have has a four inch port on it and the the vacuum that goes to it is sized for four inch hosing but all of the hoses that i have are two inch and necking down to two inch just absolutely destroys the cfm on my mm-hmm. dust collector so i'm i'm kind of looking to figure out what's the best method to maintain my my vacuum level with this device and get it to the CNC. And and I'm kind of thinking that I'm going to do a PVC solution. So have a fixed location for my vacuum, do four inch PVC up to the ceiling, and then do a flex hose that comes down to the CNC. But what all of this means is I now have to redesign everything to be able to mount a four inch hose and have like a dust skirt and all this other stuff. So it's like, ah, great. I mean, I've spent like, I'm happy. I've spent zero dollars on anything, but now I'm kind of at the point where it's like, how far can I go without dust collection and just like vacuuming my floor? Or do I just kick up a big project and like mount all this stuff in the ceiling? I don't know. The The, the biggest thing that I'm, I'm curious about because I'm, I'm just, just not my wheelhouse is how do you figure out what is the most optimal length of tube and size of tube for your vacuum like can you change diameter of tubing for a vacuum without significant impacts on it and if you can like where does that happen like can you do that close to the vacuum do you have to do that far away from the vacuum you know uh how, how does how does all that work i actually know nothing about this so i don't know i'm gonna i'm gonna do some research and try to figure things out like what's the best way to set this up with the <laughs> minimal amount of effort yeah, it's something to do with the, like the static pressure that your fan can pull, and then how much horsepower your motor is. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I have a similar problem. Is I've got a, a canister shop vac, like a wall mount one here for my garage, and um, it's got a two inch hose that's fifty feet long. Because it has to you know feet. reach it has to reach the entire shop right. Yeah, that's um, really long. And it pulls a significant vacuum still at after 50 feet because it's sucking through it the entire time. Um, but it's got a seven and a half horsepower, like legit seven and a half horsepower motor in there. Yeah, that's so it was des- it was designed to do that. Um, and so that's I think it depends on what it was designed for. What's it st- what's the maximum static pressure it can detect- that can it can pull? Um, like continuously, because then that 
you know, determines how much you can neck down and if you can still move that volume of air through a smaller restriction. Right, right. Because there is, there is a limit to how much you can pull through, you know, a hose. You think of it as a big, long resistor, I guess. <laughs> okay, so how in, much- en- in engineering school, who, which discipline learns about these kinds of things? Would that be mechanical? It's definitely fl- uh, like um, flow dynamics. Yeah, so I would think that I guess mechanical guys, if anyone were to learn about these kinds of things, it would yeah, be someone mechanical. who designs HVAC stuff, right? Which right. would be probably mechanical. What I've what I've learned in the last year when I had to replace my AC is making sure your house breathes correctly is far more important than what you spend on upgrading your system from one grade to the next grade. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you, if you spend the extra $500 and get the, uh, whatever the next level up machine, it's not going to do anything. If your house isn't, is if the ducting's not correct, you're not set up for it. Yeah. 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 So yeah, my, my, my machine is a two horsepower, uh, high flow collector, which they claim, what is it? 1550 CFM. So it moves air pretty well, but I hooked up a two, uh, two inch hose to it and it just died. Like it almost stalled. <laughs> so it wasn't happy with that. Yeah. So, you, you, I mean, you you can have a lot of, fl- this is just my experience with fans is you can have designs of fans that have, depending on how much horsepower you have and the pitch of the fan, yeah, um, like the blade and blade shape and that kind of stuff, is um, it's honestly, you think about it like the torque. This is how I think about it. This is probably completely wrong. But I think about it as like the torque versus the horsepower of a motor, um, where a lot of CFM is like the horsepower of the motor. Well, you can get horsepower by spinning the motor really, really fast. Okay, because horsepower is, a, is basically torque. It's a formula's torque and RPM, basically. Whereas torque is what actually makes you do the work. And so you have a really torquey fan. It can pull the same CFM through all that mud, you know, all through that restriction. But it might not have the same CFM rating as like a high CFM fan. But the high CFM fan might not be designed to use a lot of restriction. Like an example would be like a a box fan. It's there's no restriction on it, but the moment you put like a a filter on it, it just kills all of it. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a high CFM, low torque fan or low <laughs> static pressure. I guess. Sure. Yeah. You can use static pressure for torque. I guess in this case, that's just. My like, cause I've used electric fans on cars and stuff all the time. And that's just my experience is the fans that have a super high CFM rating. The moment you put it on a radiator, it can't suck the air through it at all. But you look for the ones with really high, if they actually have the rating for static pressure, the ones with the highest static pressure can actually draw that CFM through that, that radiator, that restriction area. Um, so I don't know what the static pressure is for your Harbor Freight machine, but um, it's probably not that high. Well, and it's so- also you just look at the horsepower ratings, like how much power does it need? And that's a good indicator of like how much static pressure it could develop. Right, right, right. So one of the reasons why I bought this is it's pretty, pretty well praised in like woodworking communities like as being an actual decent dust collector at uh, at a reasonable at a harbor freight price let's just put it that mm-hmm. way and i've seen a lot of um uh images of guys who use four inch pvc and run that throughout their shop and they basically they basically have drops that go to all of their tools mm-hmm. so they run a four inch tube across the ceiling and drop to your your miter saw or whatever you're, you're doing and in, and even some people will put a four inch tube that goes to the just the floor of your shop with a valve on it you can open up the valve and you just sweep with oh, a into broom. It? you just sweep right to oh, it that's and it actually it up. brilliant i it's i need great. to do that it's i need so to do great. that with my vacuum i need yeah. to have a broom collecting area oh it's such a good idea yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's fantastic right but but that's just the thing they have a four inch 
tube that goes to everything. Yeah. They don't neck down unless it's right at the machine. So I think that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go four inch from my vacuum collector up to the ceiling, go to the go to the center above my CNC, drop a four inch down to the head, the spindle basically, and then if I need to neck down, I neck down right at the table. Yeah. Uh, or I just build a skirt that accepts a four inch hose and just yeah. cl- clamps onto the side of the spindle. I think that's my best bet. Just keep it that's going to be the best as success close as for possible. Sure. And I'm and I'll I'll put the the dust collection as close as possible to the table so that um, my tubing up and around is uh, as short as possible. Yeah, you can always just run it at two forty. Just overpower the overvolt it. Yeah. <laughs> Get a little yeah, more horsepower right. out of it. Yeah, and and cut the the lifespan of the vacuum in half. Oh. Always learning new stuff. Yep. Oh yeah, uh, that's a whole other topic. Is um, so knifey McKnife face in chat. <laughs> um, oh, one of those big filters. For uh, charcoal filtering, I actually been thinking about trying to get one of those for. Um, so he posted uh, or she posted a, like it's a big canister filter, and um, they use those for um, when you don't want people to know that you're growing weed in your house. That's actually what they're for. Um, <laughs> and uh, I actually been thinking about getting some of those and then setting up like a. Uh, a VOC scrubber for like my garage. Just be like, oh, I need to spray some spray paint underneath my car, right? And, you know, hit it and like, you know, you fumigate your entire garage. So it'd be nice to just be able to turn that on. Because right now it's like, okay, I have to open up my garage door and let all my nice air conditioned air out of my garage. Yeah, then it takes a day and a half to get back. Cool back down because I only have like a little tiny window unit cooling down the huge garage. <laughs> right. Right. So it, it would be nice to have like one of those charcoal filters I can just turn on and cycle out that VOC. Um, so it was a weird podcast. Bunch of random topics. Yeah. Yeah. This was the variety hour. And we're almost at an hour. <laughs> yeah. So that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your hosts, Parker Dolman and Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, yes, you, our listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, let Steve and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at MacFab.com slash Slack. Also, our live stream of the podcast happens on Tuesdays at 7 o'clock Central Time. Come hang out. It's twitch.tv slash macrofab. Man, it's been like a whole year, and I still haven't like made a URL shortener for that. <laughs>